All right, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. And uh, I was saying that I think I have preached here once, and that is uh, with, well, actually twice, because it was the PM, Edgewood PM congregation many years ago, before the, before all these renos were done. And I had the privilege of doing one of your gatherings from, from here as well, which is pretty cool. But that's not with you, man. So it's great to be with you this morning, and especially with my whole family here. That's super cool. We've just come off the back of a seven days break, which is really, really nice. Over the, We took the opportunity with all the long weekends and days and, and uh, took some extra days. Took the children out of school for a little bit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all the teachers off. What did you just do? And while we spoke to all the teachers and we ran it through all of them, but we've just taken the gap just um, to be together as a family and then drive through to be with some of the Josh Jenners. Josh Jenners at the Power Through Position course, which was run by Aunt Meek, one of our elders, and Ange, my wife, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Who was there? Anyone, anyone here? Power Through Position? No? Okay, cool. Well, there were about 200-odd people there, and it was a really, really powerful time that we've just had with them. So it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you, Rian and Helen. Thank you to the eldership team, the leaders, just welcoming us so, so wonderfully. We, we, we really appreciate that. We really do. So we've been, look, this morning I've been hearing a lot of, you know, I've been listening. I've been listening to what seems to be the Lord and the Spirit just speaking to us, saying that He wants to draw us near. We had... Um, I don't, eh? Anaya, sorry, Anaya. We have, I recognize you, but we haven't chatted. But we've had Anaya just having that picture as well and that sense of the Lord as our lover, us going towards him and finding him. And when we do find him, we need to hold on to him. You know, so searching for our lover. And then when we've got him, we're like, this is it. We're not going to let you go. And then there's been some other words all aboard and different words coming through about the Lord saying, come on, you know, um, just stick with me. I think you've been looking at also just walking with God or staying close with the Lord. I was going to actually do a message this morning on, on where Jesus says, come follow me. And what it means to follow Jesus, you know, in, uh, also in today's day and age where we've got these influences and they're trying to um, get more and more followers and we follow certain people because uh, of, well, for whatever reason, you know, that pique our interests. They might, they might, you know, be specialists in their game, you know, you get people that are just socialites and people just follow them for just arbitrary reasons, but there's other people we follow to hopefully learn some things from them, from them, whether it's fishing tips or, you know, if it's like motorbike, you know, mechanic tips, and I love following stuff like that, just seeing how engineering works, I find it absolutely fascinating to follow um, small designs, etc., and in a sense, we're, we're followers of Jesus. We, we, we're sticking close to him. But as I was preparing as well for this morning, I think this still ties in with following the Lord and all these words that we've had this morning of when you find Jesus, you've got to stick with him, man. Um, because he said, come and follow me. And, and it's for us to now stick with him. You know, there, there's a time, there was a time we all know it in the scriptures where Jesus was saying some really hard things. And he turns to his disciples and he says, you know, will you... Will you still follow me? Like, will you still come? And they said, you know, to you, where else should we go? You alone have the words of life. Like, we're following you. You're our influencer, man. We're going to stick with you. But then, like, Jesus carries on. Like, they had to keep following. 
And you know, that's the thing. Like, Paul, even at the end of his life, says, I've fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've, I've reached the end. I've persevered. And it is for us to, to stick with the Lord, to find our lover and hold on. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do, the opposite of that. He wants to stop us from running, stop us from fighting the good fight, stop us from persevering, stop us from finding our lover, Jesus. You know, and if he can do, well, whatever he can, whether it's just distraction even, you know, not necessarily outright sin, you know, blatant, blatant uh, rebellion, he will do whatever he can to cause us to disengage with God because God is the ultimate reality. God is the source from whom all things have flowed. And, you know, in him, and by him, the whole universe is being held together. So right now, as we sit here, you know, the Bible says in Job, Job actually has this revelation where he says in Job 34, if it were God's intention and he withdrew his spirit and his breath from the earth, all mankind would perish and return to dust. It's quite something. Which means that right now, if we are being sustained even by the very breath of God, you know, um, the fact that we can breathe right now, it's God's, it's God's grace gift to the whole planet. But it's for now the whole planet to see and understand that we're not just, you know, uh, what's the word, um, uh, just objects of random selection, you know. We, know. we haven't just appeared by chance, you know, by some, by some, I don't know, billionth of a chance that this world would come into being from nothing. No, we, we yeah, by intelligent design, God has created the universe. God has made the earth. God has made people in his image. And then there's this call for us to engage with the living being, the source, the living God, the source of all life. There's this call for us to acknowledge, to come in humility. That's why we worship. That's why, we, we, that's why we're here. Because we're acknowledging that we're not here by chance. We're acknowledging that we're here by God, by God's grace. But the enemy wants to, hey, just cause us to live by that which we can see and touch and feel and know, you know, in, that, we, that we see immediately in front of us. But God wants us to engage with our spirits. He wants us to Access him with our hearts and our spirits. And so, as I said, if the enemy can, can get in the, interrupt that whole process, he can prevent us from living in the abundant life that the Lord's got for us. So I want to actually look at and remind us this morning that we're in a battle. We're in a, a spiritual battle. And that the spirit realm is as real as the seat that you sit on. The spirit realm is substance. Both God's presence and the demonic is substance. It's, it's, you know, it's, I mean, we all know, it's you know, like feelings, for example, you know, you can't see feelings right now. You can all feel them. And when, man, when you feel feelings, they are real, man. You can, you can, I can give you as much money in the world, but if you're feeling down or if, or if you've lost a loved one, no money in the world takes away that pain. It's real. The pain you feel is real, Yeah. All right? The pain you feel is like as real as anything else. And, but it's not not real because you can't, because you can't, it's not tangible. It's real. You feel those feelings. They're there. The spirit realm is the same. Whether you say, can see it or not, it's there. And, um, and so it is with 
God, his presence, and it is like that also with the demonic. And so God wants us to be these people who are following him, who are sticking close with him, we find him to stick with him. And for that also to happen, we need to recognize that we're in this battle. And, you know, the Bible talks about in, one, in 2 Timothy chapter 2.20, it says that now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So yeah, Timothy actually writes about our, our um, spiritual walk with the Lord being like that of a house. And in this house, we've got different vessels, uh, different articles. You know, and, and you could picture this house. It's got like maybe photos up in it. It's got a couple of paintings. It's got some, uh, I don't know, maybe an old, like a couple of, uh, what do you call them? Jars or um, you know, fancy things. I don't know all the, what in my mind, is, my English is just slipping. Come on, then, what? Vases, yeah, and like what do you, interior decorating type stuff. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and some of those things are, are, are for dishonorable use and honorable. So he's saying, even in our walks with the Lord, in our spiritual houses, we can have things in, in our spiritual house that are dishonorable to the Lord. And actually those things, when the Lord sees them, he doesn't like them at all. And they can actually impact how much we use by God because he says, yeah, that we should cleanse ourselves and get rid of those things that are used for dishonorable use. So then you'll be a, a vessel useful for the Lord. It's like you'll enter into a deeper measure of God, a deeper measure of intimacy with Him. But it involves a cleansing, a cleansing on our part and a recognition that these things are not pleasing to the Lord, that these things are articles in us, they're actual substance within us that God doesn't like. So the Bible says as well in 1 Peter 2.11 that we should he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, exiles, so like as strangers on this earth, to abstain from the passions of, this, this, of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So there's passions that surround us, things that we have desires for, that we want to, in a sense, eat from. And he says, abstain from those things, because they war against your soul. Again, it's this picture of our soul wanting to have fellowship with the Lord, and this war going on, and an abstinence that's needed. And so there's many other scriptures which talk about the devil prowling, prowling around like a roaring lion, and we need to resist him. Ephesians 6 saying that we must be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God for the battle we fight is not against flesh and blood. Um, 2, Timothy 10, 2 Corinthians 10 says that we do not wage wars as the world does, but with spiritual, um, we have spiritual warfare that we engage with uh, the with the Lord with and against the enemy with, all right? And so I want to remind us, man, that God is calling us to come to him daily and engage with a lifestyle of cleansing, clearing out stuff each and every day as we actually brush up against the world all the time, all the time, every single day. That's what it means to follow the Lord. You know, Ephesians 4, 26 says this, um, do not let the sun, uh, be not, uh, 
Do not be angry and so sin, right? Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You all know that scripture, eh? It says, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. <clears throat> all right? And then he says, and so give the devil an opportunity. Now, what's interesting is that word opportunity is the word topos, the Greek word topos. And it actually means, do not give the devil a piece of real estate. It actually is the word that is used for a location, a locality, a, a locality in which someone inhabits. So he's saying, do not give the de- don't go to sleep as a Christian, angry. Why? Because if you do, you've you got your spiritual house and you're allowing in your house a vessel, you're allowing in your house an object that is for dishonorable use, and you're giving the devil an, a place. It's not just, do not give the devil an opportunity. Well, it's interesting that the translators translated there and give no opportunity to the devil. Why do they say opportunity? Because they're saying, a piece of real estate, when you give that piece of real estate away, whoever you're giving it away to has the right to come into that real estate. And so it doesn't, we're not talking about losing our salvation through one or two sins or through an interaction with the, with the devil necessarily, but we are talking about the complexity of our spirit beings, that when we interact and engage and brush up against Sin, we actually need the Lord to cleanse us, to keep fellowship with Him. Because when we don't, we allow the enemy in. We allow the enemy an opportunity to exercise a measure of authority in our lives. The Bible has a lot to say about this type of thing. Um, For example, um, in fact, it has a lot to say about things like being unclean. And actually being defiled. In James 1.27 says that the religion that is undefiled, okay, and then he goes on to say, is to keep oneself unstained from the world. How's that for a, for a mouthful, eh? Or for an interesting picture. He's saying religion, and that's a good thing, religion like as in the confession of our faith, the, the, uh, the desire to walk after God, to walk with God, so a, a Christian who's living their lives in a, in a desire, with a desire to keep their lover, to stay close to the Lord, he says that religion, uh, 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 the, that type of religion that is undefiled, what is, well, what is it? Because I want to live that way. I want to be undefiled. It's to keep ourselves unstained from the world. So what he's saying is we can give the devil a foothold. We can actually become stained. It's like right now on my jacket, as I put it over the chair, I notice oh, I've got a big white patch on the back. I didn't even see it. It's in the, you would, I, I was unaware of it, but I, I don't know what it is. It's almost like I had a little baby and they've, like <laughs> they've been drooling all over the back of my, my, my patch. It's, just, it's the same in the spirit realm. Is that We've got to make sure that we're living unstained lives. Isn't that quite something? And uh, if you look at this word Religion that is undefiled means unsoiled. So religion that the Lord's looking for is an unsoiled religion. It means that we're not walking around with stains on our spirits. That we're not walking around with blemishes on our spirits. So to, to defile, to be defiled, 
means to sully or taint, to contaminate. So it's like I would be, if I pitched up here today and was really filthy, I mean, it must be honest, I haven't ironed this shirt. I took it out my, took it out my cupboard about eight days ago and it's been in my, for this bridge. Because <laughs> I've been on holiday. I've only, I took it out this morning early and fought, I noticed it actually does have some creases on it there. Not too bad. Yeah, I looked in the mirror, I thought, okay, that could get away. But if I could get away with that with you this morning, it's not too bad. I think it's, you know, it looks a bit natural, you know, the creases. But when I first took it out my, my, my um, suitcase, I was like, I'm going to probably need to get this ironed. I'll see how it looks in about half an hour. And it kind of sorted itself out. But why am I doing that? It's because I want to be presentable. And if I pitched up here and my jeans were all filthy and marks on them, this was not ironed. You go like, who is this guy? You know, because I want to be presentable to you because I'm presenting God's word to you. And I want to respect the fact that you, I don't know, just, you know, be respectable, you know. And with the Lord, it's the same thing. He's looking for us to, to watch over our souls. The words we told us many, many times, Paul says, to uh, the elders in Ephesus. He says, watch over your life and your doctrine closely. Well, he, took, he says that actually in Timothy to the elders. He says, watch first over yourselves and then over all of God's flock. So God's looking for us to look at our souls and say, Lord, you know, where have they been sullied? Where have they been contaminated? Where, what have I brushed up against? And to live with an awareness of what is going on, of the reality, the substance of spiritual things because those things can affect my communion with the Lord. Come on. Amen. And uh, it's interesting to me that the demonic, that demons, Jesus calls them unclean spirits. Why are they unclean spirits? Well, because they're unclean. They're filthy. And he casts out unclean spirits all the time. It's not just evil spirits, unclean. Alice, fail. Dirty. They carry with them everything that is opposite to the nature and character of God. And, and those demonic spirits are at work in the world to prevent us from walking in union with the Lord. Now, praise be to God, man. We've got Jesus, and he's cleansed us. And that's right there. He cleanses us from unrighteousness. But I tell you what, it's not just a once-off. It's a continual cleansing that we need to receive in Christ. And uh, praise God that he's willing. We've got a willing washer in Jesus Christ. He's a willing cleaner. He died for the sins of the world. He died for past, present, future sins. But he's looking for us to engage with him in that and to recognize our need for his cleansing. Amen. And so we can and need to be aware that as Christians, we can allow a demonic influence actually in our lives. You know that. We can allow demonic influence in us. Um, yeah, if you look at James 3, verse 14 to 16, James says this, and he's writing to Christians. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, okay, so he's saying as a Christian, you're going, hang on, but Jesus is in my heart. Jesus is in my heart. Yeah, and selfish ambition and jealousy. Oh, hang on a second. No, that can't be. That actually can be. Jesus can be in my heart, but I can be harboring jealousy. Selfish ambition. But the thing is, he can't then fully 
exercise who he is through me because I've got these items in my spirit that he needs, that are interfering with his pure presence and interrupting my fellowship with him. So James 3 verse 14 to 16 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. That's how old Jesus he just loves me, so I can just have anything in my heart, you know. Oh, because I'm just, and I think this is a problem in the church today where the love of God is preached so much and so strongly, and I praise God, I am a strong preacher of the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because we're only saved by His love and grace and mercy. But we must be careful to understand that as much as we come under the truth of the grace and mercy of God and the fact that He wants to save us, Man, you've got to know, he's not pleased with things in us. That when we harbor things in us that are against his character and nature. And he's, and, and, and he's looking for us to be in this continual process with him, of working with him, of repentance and renouncing, a participation with anything that is outside of his perfection. The perfection of his nature. Come on. So he says, this is not, so, so okay, let me read that again. But, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, James three fourteen, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. So it's not wise to go like, yeah, I can have these things in me. You know, God, he's just, <laughs> he's a God of love. Praise God. Yeah, I really don't like that person. Thank you, Jesus. Now he goes, for where jealousy, jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So he's saying, you know, that can exist in us as believers. And you must know this. If you allow jealousy and selfish ambition to exist in your spirit as you're walking with the Lord, there's going to be a whole bunch of other bedfellows along. There's going to be a bunch of other demons that are going to come in and look for ways in which they can affect you. And this is what we need to understand. Look at uh, Mark 7, 21 and 23. Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. I don't know. As a Christian, if any of you have ever had any of those thoughts that of the, in that list I just mentioned, I have. Where did they come from as a Christian? I'm a Christian. I've got a new heart. Well, you know what? They came from something in me that needs refining in Christ. And they defile a person. And the whole thing is, man, that the Lord wants us to, wants to walk with us. To walk with you. Have a look at this. I'd love it to actually, if you could put this scripture up. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Are you able to do it? I didn't give my scriptures in this morning, so that's why you maybe haven't seen them come up. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. I'd love us to read this. And it's this chapter, a passage where it talks about being unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's one that as Christians we should be well, fairly familiar with. And... Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 14, to, and we'll actually end on chapter 7, verse 1. Shall I go for it? 
I said, I'm not going to put him under any pressure, and I am. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll, I'll read it so long, and, and you catch up. All right, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to chapter 7, verse 1. Do not be unequally yoked with believers. Oh, sorry, with unbelievers. Thank you, thank you. All right. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Now, he's actually asking a rhetorical question. In other words, there's people that are doing this. He's going like, what are you doing? Because, I mean, you can't be, but you are doing it, but you can't be. Okay? He's saying, or what fellowship has light with darkness? He's like, what accord has Christ with Bilal? Or, which is another word for really the devil, okay? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So he's arguing from a place of position. He says, you are a temple of the living God. So how can you have all these things? Come on, get, like, get, get, get sorted out. Because you're the temple of the Spirit. And then he says, he quotes, this is Paul writing, he quotes an Old Testament passage which is now fulfilled in Christ. He says, I, he's, as God said, so he's reminding them, this is where I'm coming from with why I'm asking, why are you fellowshipping with darkness? Because God has said this, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. This is this lover that we've heard this morning. He's, he's walking amongst us, looking for fellowship with us. And I will be their God. That's us in the church. God wants to be our God, right? And they shall be my people. Praise the Lord. That's what we are. He says, therefore, because I'm with you, man, and walking among you, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. There's that filthy thing again, that, that defiling thing. Touch no unclean thing. And then he says this, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So, the purpose for cleansing ourselves is so that we will know God as Father more deeply. That we will know what it means to be sons and daughters. That we will be welcomed by Him into His presence. And then He says this, since we have these promises. So what promises? The fact that God wants to be a Father, will be sons and daughters, He'll walk amongst us and welcome us. It's because we have these promises, look at what He says. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement. Now, this is interesting. Very interesting. I can't go into depth. This is, but he says, of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. These other passages, for example, um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, listen to this. He ends his letter to the Thessalonians and he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Um, he says, And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Notice the word sanctify is actually to do with washing. So he's saying, May God wash you, your body, your soul, and your spirit, and may you be kept, the whole of you be kept blameless. In other words, there's a real interaction we're having right now. We're brushing up against selfishness, pride. We watch TV adverts. <laughs> it's funny, last night we were with Ivan and Corin Panfiran at Milk, we were staying at their house, and uh, we were watching a, um, some 
fails on 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 the TV, you know, through the uh, streaming, you know, streaming some fails, and the one advert, you know, comes up, and uh, Ivan's son James had the remote, so he knew the advert. The advert is about, I think, an insurance or something, an insurance thing, and it's the word, it's insurance called naked. Now I don't know why they call it naked, but anyway, they call it naked. So James is aware. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> essentially wrong with that, but James is like. Super con- he knew the advert's coming, so the advert goes, and what you should do, I don't know, it, they've got this jingle, and James presses mute, but my son's watched the advert, my 12-year-old son's watched that, I don't know how many times, he goes, and naked, and James is like, <laughs> I especially paused it, and my son like goes, and naked, <laughs> we're like, dude, you just defeated the whole object of, of silencing the, the advert, because he thought, no, you better, you better you know, cut that word out. <laughs> My son knows it. Oh, it's funny. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Brushing up. You just, what we watch, what we interact with, it's affecting the purity of our spirits, of our souls, of our bodies. Now, I don't know about you, but you could potentially feel Super disencouraged. <laughs> like, not really, because, like, wow, man. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we'd live with an awareness of what is happening around us. Because following Jesus, I think sometimes we can just follow Jesus and think he's just our buddy. He's just, you know, and he, you know yeah, I'm going to follow him. I'll follow him if I do, follow him if I don't. You know, like, <laughs> but God is looking for an intentionality in our hearts. A recognition that he alone is the words of life. An awareness of whether we're engaging with the most excellent one. Who, in whom all are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I don't know about you, but I just want to know the Lord more. I want to become more aware of his presence. What what increases the flow of his presence in my life and what decreases that in our but for that I need to come to the Lord daily in a pattern of repentance and renunciation and say, God, as I've lived through my day, I'm aware, Lord. You know, John Wesley, who was who him and, and God through him was used mightily throughout Europe to bring massive revival across Europe a couple of hundred years ago. Yet Lay preachers, preachers who would travel on, on horseback, even as I've come from Melkbos to here, and preach the word of God um, across Europe, but not just in settings like this. They would preach in fields and out in the streets and see people born again, see demons come out of people, see the Holy Spirit fall on people, and mass revival hit Europe through them. One of John Wesley's prerequisites for every one of his local preachers, and he, was, he had a list that he looked for all their home groups to look at every single week. And one of the, the couple of the questions were, what sin have you committed this week? And you had to confess it to each other. <laughs> what are some of the other ones, babe? Do you remember some of them? What is the, what is the last thing that the Lord said to you that you still have to obey? Now, why you could go, oh, that's legalism. Yeah, well, that's like, no, but what is he saying? Is he saying that to follow the Lord means you've, it's a living relationship? And as he speaks, if you're continually denying his voice, 
you're bringing an article into your house of rebellion. And that article will prevent the Lord's flow through your life to be that vessel that's used more for him. Friends, and so my word today isn't like, oh, like a, it is a, it's a lacquer word for where it's going to take us. Because if we will come under this, acknowledge the battle that's going on in the spirit realm, and tap into the Lord in whom is all victory and hope. Friends, we will see the Lord move us on into his presence, which is where the fullness of joy is. Life evermore. It will be, even as you've heard, our late Will Marais come as in the last few months of his life, the thing he was saying a lot was, we can take nothing of this with us. Nothing. We just stayed at Will and Pam's, well, Pam's, her place with Juliet and Pierre this for two nights, Thursday, Friday. I was standing in the shower and looking, you know, Will's got, they've got this house with this sort of gabled roof and, and I know Will stayed up there in the last, in the last, few months of his life. As I was showering, I just thought, you know, Will would have looked out this window so many times. Even as he, his body was riddled with pain, and I know Will would have looked at what he's got, what he's, what he, what in a sense the Lord's blessed him with, this house, and he would have gone, Lord, it's, it's nothing because I'm about to be with you. It's nothing. See, friends, we've got to see what, what we're talking about is eternal things. This is not this is what we're talking about here is recognizing the substance of the eternal things. It's recognizing the substance of the presence of God and saying, Lord, I want you more than what I see around me. I want you, Lord. I want your presence. And I recognize that there's an enemy who doesn't want me there. And God, I'm going to just continue to just get myself undefiled, cleansed, unstained, washed by your presence. This is on offer every day. Praise God. His mercy is on you every morning. It's faithfulness. Mercy is new every morning. But he wants us to interact. Just that scripture that says, um, for, for God's, for so, John 3, 16. Yeah, for so God, well, you know, some translations are for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son. The original Greek translation is, for so God loved the world. Actually, the Greek puts that word first. Okay, the our translation of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I can't go into this too much, but because he's saying, for so God loved the world, you must look at the passage before that, which was John 3, um, 15, obviously, and it actually is Jesus referring to numbers where the Israelites sinned and rebelled against God, and they all started dying from a plague that God put amongst them in, of snakes due to their mumbling and their grumbling. So God said, make a snake, a bronze snake, uh, make a snake out of bronze and lift it up. And when you look at the thing that's cursing you, you'll live. If, when you look at the symbol of that, which is actually causing you to die, you'll live. And then Jesus says, for so God loved the world. And whoever believes, it's a continual, believes, not just believe. We don't get that insurance policy once off. There we go. It's whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So whoever looks to the Son, Jesus becomes the object. We deserve the cross. We deserve the punishment. We, were, we deserved, in a sense, the snake symbol. He died on the cross, which is a symbol only meant for criminals. He, 
is the symbol of, of, he's a curse. He became the curse. We look at the curse. He becomes the curse. We look and we live. <laughs> see, we look and we're cleansed. You see, because when we look at the price, when we look at the one who became the curse, and we, and we, we acknowledge, Lord, you took my sin, and we recognize I've brushed up against so many things. I've got so many stains on me. But Lord, I need you. In his grace, in mercy, he cleanses. He says, I'm a willing sacrifice. And he willfully cleanses. But you know, when we just go, cleanse me, Lord. He just, we do not. And that's where the scripture talks. Don't tread just upon the blood of Christ. You know, don't, don't just. Don't just take for granted this thing. This cleansing that Jesus has on offer for us. So I want to close this morning and say, you know, as believers, I, I mean, you know, oh, man. If you've, he has the, the, the good news. He's, a willing, he's willing to cleanse. He died on the cross for our sins. He wants fellowship. The good news is that Jesus has died in our place. He's taken upon himself every single sin. But the myth news <laughs> is that we have to, like, acknowledge it, you know. I mean, that's myth because it's really ugly. You know, when you look at your sin, eh, you're like, really, was that me? Like, I mean, did I, like, when you really are honest and unpack that jealousy or that covetousness, or you're really honest and unpack that lust, you go, yes, that's ugly, eh? When I look at it, and, and yo, that really came from this heart? Yeah, no, it, it really came. It really came from your heart. It really did. And we try, I, I've been there. Yes, I'll try to wiggle out of that thing. Yeah, no, but, you know, it wasn't quite, I don't know, maybe the person made me do it, you know, or, yeah, we like to wiggle there. Eh? But God wants us to go low. He says, in fact, James says that he will exalt the humble but oppose the proud. So pride can be an, a vessel. In our house, that is, God, like, I don't dig that. <laughs> I'm not liking that thing. You want to come follow me? Get rid of that pride. So, yeah, the, the, the myth thing, the thing that's not so lacking, is to really just go, Lord, you know, if that's me, I'm sorry. I repent of that. Forgive me. Now, the, the, also the good news is, we're not as Christians meant to walk around like this bunch of like sour grapes, you know, sour sucking lemon people, because we've got a willing God. But it's this interaction we must be careful. We don't fall so fully into this happy-go-lucky, like you know everything's going to go just cool. No, no, no. This is serious. The devil, just in the last while. Yeah, let me not go there. He comes in first with the smallest and easiest, like, innocuous type of looking thing. And he'll come in and will try and shipwreck your faith. Today, if the Lord is speaking to you about an area, come and acknowledge that area before the Lord. If, you know, Rian was talking about residue, I was licking his, I was just thinking, I haven't wiped this microphone, you know. <laughs> 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 I mean, I should have wiped it with something. <laughs> but he was talking about something being left after today. 
that we can lick our fingers with and remember. This is a message we can remember till we die. We must, actually. Because it's not today done. It's tonight. It's tomorrow morning. It's today, tomorrow at work. It's like, you know, I just got angry with that person at work. Oh, well, they'll get over it. And, you know, they must just understand that's the workplace. No, you go back. I was in the water that day surfing, a little, a lighty, really. In surfing, there's a whole lot of rules and stuff. <laughs> and he disobeyed rule number one. And it's basic rule. Everybody should know it. And, I mean, he's like a half my size and showing a lot of attitude. And he did it about four times, blatantly looking at me doing it. And eventually, I, I actually, I got angry with the guy. I didn't swear at him or anything. I don't do that, by the way. But I didn't. But still, I mean, I got angry, with, super angry with the guy. Like, I wanted to really hit this dude. And Jesus says some things about anger. And I was justified in my anger for what this guy was doing, according to the surfing laws, you know. But the Holy Spirit convicts me like 10 minutes later, 15, I'm surfing. Oh, I don't want to say sorry to this. Like, he doesn't even, he's not even going to. And so I say sorry to the guy. Eventually I said, hey, I'm sorry I got angry with you. You know, like, now you've got to be, got to be careful because I'm sorry because you did this. It's like, listen, I'm sorry I did that, you know. And he just basically blatantly so disrespectful even from there. Eventually I say, Lord, give me your heart for this guy. Because my son would never act like this. There's something else going on inside there. So give me your heart. Guys, God wants, but if we're, if we're not sensitive to the Spirit, we just get harder and harder and more and more set in our ways, and the Spirit just can't flow. Now, let me, well, if you're here today and don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible actually says that you are a, you're actually a prisoner of darkness. You're actually a slave to the devil. You actually... You're actually, the Bible calls you actually a son of disobedience. Like, you don't have a new spirit. And I want to say to you today that God has eternal life for you. That starts not one day when you die, but starts right now. He wants to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. If you will confess your sins, acknowledge that, because you know what I'm talking about inside. You know that there's a God, who that's why you're here, who is good and true and is life himself. Why don't you come today and acknowledge that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. And confess your sins before the Lord and come into relationship with God. And no longer be a son of disobedience, but a son of obedience or daughter of obedience. Where God will make you and put in you a willing heart to do what is right. I've met, met, met many people who said, said, I can't do it. I, 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 I'm a bad person. I just, I don't know how I'm going to change. God will, God will do it. He's the one that's working in us as believers to cause us to want to be like him. So won't you respond today? And then for us as believers, will we respond possibly to a now thing that we need to repent of? Or at least to say, Lord, I want my house to be a, a, a clean house, ready for every good work. And I want to practice a life of repentance and renunciation um, always. Amen. Uh, thank you, Lord. So let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus.